This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, everybody. Serie A is back and Paramount Plus is going to bring it as Juventus and Inter face each other this weekend. And we have the return of Drey Cordero and Matteo Bonetti to discuss it all, preview the game and so much more. Que Lasso begins right now. Hey everybody, welcome to Kego Lasso. Let's get things rolling. International break is over. Back to domestic club competition. Dre Cordero, how are you, my friend? Oh, I'm golden, man. It's so good to, to talk some city out with you guys. Uh, Mateo, my Mateo's essentially my like calcio life partner. How, how long, I don't know how long we've been doing this, but but it's been an absolute blast. And uh, to to be heading back to Italy to to do another uh, big Italian match from one of the the marquee stadiums in Italy. Like I'm pumped. I no need no espresso needed, but I'm drinking it anyway. No, oh, I love it. I love it. Very excited for you and Matteo. Matteo Bonetti, how are you, brother? I'm good, man. And just to echo that point from Dre, me and Dre have been working on City since 2012. We've done hundreds of games from a monitor here stateside when Juventus has played at home since they moved into that home and won nine consecutive Scudetti. But this is our first time actually at the Allianz Stadium. We've seen it so many times. We've seen it with all the different camera angles. But to be there in person, just like we were there at San Siro, and, and to experience it is is going to be the most exciting time because this is one of the best stadiums in Italy, right? It's new, it's modern, it's privately owned, and we've gushed about it so many times. So pumped to actually get to see it up close and personal. Uh, it's going to be so great to see fantastic stuff. And as Matteo Andre mentioned, everybody, the Paramount Plus coverage includes both of these lovely gentlemen going to Turin as they face this game. So make sure you, you catch all the action on Sunday. It's going to be fantastic. What else can we expect, Dre Cordero, from this day? Is, uh, is Marco Messina still there? Or has he gone to another country now? And uh, what's what's going on there? Yeah, I'm accepting. I'm, look, Marco is one of the most uh, humble, kind, and nice people that you'll meet in this industry. But I'm half expecting to have to like knock him down a couple of pegs when we get there because he's been living the absolute life for a month. Uh, he, he's interviewed Jose Mourinho. He's hung out with players. He's hugging Tammy Abraham like pitch side at the Stadio Olimpico. So. Uh, you know, I, I feel like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meet a different Marco from the one that left the last time I saw him in, in Connecticut. Um, but I, I'm thrilled for him. And honestly, no one sort of loves and cares about the Italian game quite as much as Marco Messina does. He's been working on it uh, since before it was profitable to him. There you go. There's a picture of Marco just like hamming it up with Jose Mourinho uh, after Mourinho met like a cardinal or something like that in Rome. So uh, we can expect uh, what Serie A is, which is like thrill, spills, some ragged edges, uh, and a good time and lots of goals. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Marco used to be excited to actually see us in the studio, right? And now, <laughs> as, as you said, it's like he's got a connection with every team. I think he was hanging out with someone from Juventus. I'm sure it was probably like Vlaovic or Delic, one of the best players there. So to go from all of those legends to us schmucks flying across from the States, it's not going to feel special, I don't think, for Marco. But because we're still humble, Luis, we're still going to love being next to him. I, I just don't feel like the it's going to be reciprocated, the feeling. 
He's gonna yeah. he's gonna big time us. He's gonna leave our messages on red. I think like when we get back to Italy, he's like, hey, Mark, yeah, that's how he stopped, he stopped shouting to me. I don't know yeah. about you, Trey, but he's, <laughs> he he completely ignores us ever since he's made a big time. Guys, he was meant to be on our show for just a segment every week, and he's completely See? ghosting us. So it's over. It's over. You're gonna meet Ray Ban wearing. Uh, uh, Barco Messina, but absolutely, he's delivered some great content, and both of you will be there, of course, as we mentioned, Paramount Plus, make sure that you do it. All right, let's get into the game, everybody. A big game, of course, as third place Inter Milan uh, face Juventus. Of course, it's only a one-point differential, but Inter have, obviously, a game in hand. Let me ask you this straight away, Matteo Bonetti, Andre, please jump in. Does Italy need this Derby d'Italia more than ever following the better disappointment of World Cup Oof. qualification, do you think? It's a weird one, uh, Luis, because the the you know the fandom of the Italian national team doesn't exactly translate to the the fandom of Juventus and Inter. I don't. I, I think that Italians do a good job of sort of keeping those two separate. And and here's the proof: is most fans of a club, like let's say you're an Interista or a Juventino or a Milanista, I feel like they still see those colors on the national team. So a Milanista will see Barella wearing the blue, but we'll still think. He's Inter's player, and it won't quite be the same thing. You know, these are chats I've had so many times with people who have lived and breathed these rivalries. So I think there is this distinction to be made, and there is this separation where whatever happened with the Italian national team, it sucks. We're all depressed. It's terrible that we might have to wait 12 years to go to 2026 from 2014. But now let's get back to Calcio. And the Calcio has been brilliant. Serie offered us so many great storylines and parody at the top that I'm not worried that there's going to be like this residual effect from the World Cup. Like, let's get back to it and let's watch some great football. I, I won't lie. I, I was a little bit worried because I think in, in our coverage, I'm the only non-Italian or non-Italian-American uh, that, that, that works like intimately with the city uh, in our whole group. And I thought I was going to walk into like a funeral because these guys, you know, to, to miss for, for a second consecutive World Cup, to miss one for Italy was unthinkable. To miss a second consecutive there was a, a, a certain hint of cynicism going into it. There was a feeling that, yeah, it could like go sideways. But to echo Matteo's sentiment, there is that division between what the domestic league is like and what the national team is like. And there's no better example of that division than Chiri Mobile. Absolutely brilliant in Serie A. Maybe the best striker that Serie A has seen in 10 years. You know, Numbers comparable to Iguain's best season, to Ibrahimovic's best. Uh, and then with the national team, you can't quite get it done. And so you sort of have to compartmentalize those two. And I think, especially for what we're doing now, which is a celebration of Italian football in the middle of like a dark period in Italian football, we have to sort of put all of that aside and, and, and sort of make the best yeah, and, of it. And I, hold on I, a I second. Am here. Go on. No, no, no. Yeah. But dark period in Italian football, isn't it crazy how, and this is something you always say, Dre, we look at the results too much, right? We we yeah. well the, the storyline is always based on the result. Last summer, Serie A's back. Come look at the brilliant football. Italy wins yeah. the Euros, but really, you look at all the games. They nearly didn't make it against Austria. Imagine they go out against Austria. Maybe one ball goes an inch to the side. It's a completely different storyline, just like it was in that game between Italy and North Macedonia, where Italy dominated the game. They had chances. I mean, Berardi's chance, I think, will haunt me forever. That goes in suddenly. You know, it, it, to me, it's over. And it's a completely different storyline. It's uh, Italy. Are they going to be the dark horse now for the World Cup, just like they won the Euro? It's unbelievable how a matter of inches can completely change. But this is not a dark time in Syria. Syria has right. been on the up, I think, for, for quite some time, maybe since what, Calciopoli, since the late 2000s. Well, so that, that I guess that's what I was getting at is despite the disappointment of the national team, and, and it is, you know, make no mistake, it is a disappointment to miss the second World Cup. 
Calcio is still, in my opinion, the most exciting, the most competitive, and the, and, and the most even um, football that you can watch in Europe. Uh, because while every league has one, two, maybe best case scenario, three really good teams, I think the top six or seven in Serie A could take points off of each other any given week. And where we've been uh, fortunate is Matteo and I have, have worked on virtually every European league you could imagine in the course of our careers. And now we get a chance to do whatever the biggest game or two games are on a week-to-week basis in Serie A, and it's almost always brilliant. Where it used to be that you know Milan and Juve faced off, Juve and Inter faced off, it was two teams trying not to lose, play, playing sort of a conservative approach, like, yeah, we'll beat up on the Sassuolos and the Cagliari's and whatnot. Now, when, the, when two te- big teams face off, they try and dominate each other. They try and impose their will rather than that, you know, timidity of like, no, let's just not lose this game and get past the next one. And so that's made for big games in Italy feeling like big games on a week-to-week basis. Well, to that point, the big game to talk about is Juventus against Inter. And as we mentioned, and as Des Norris, our producer, put up the table, it's a very tight race right here. And by the way, after one the one-all draw in Milan in the reverse fixture, uh, Inter could remain unbeaten in both the seasonal league matches against Juve for the first time since 2008-2009. But this is a Juventus side as well, trying to pick itself up after bowing out, of course, uh, of the Champions League as well. So let's go back to you, Matteo. Let's talk about Juventus. Juventus focus here. Uh, still licking the wounds after the Champions League exit, but what's behind the team's sort of uptick in, in domestic form? H- how are they doing as they head into this game against Inter Milan? Yeah, it's a weird one, and I almost want to give credit to Allegri and to Juventus, despite the, the, the disappointment in the Champions League. Yeah, because there's been this weird sentiment, Dre, where they've gone on this wonderful unbeaten run in Serie A, but it feels like, apart from maybe one or two games, there's always a little bit of negativity from the fan base where, you know, the, the play is just not what they've been wanting to see. You know, they at the end of the day, they want to go and watch Juventus be entertained. It's a reason why Juventus dropped the Fino alla fine and they started saying, right, it's not just the results that matter. We also want to entertain. And that's why they took this dramatically different ship to get Sarri and then, um, and then Andrea Pirlo. And now they're back to what they know works. What they know has been their DNA, right, which is you get the result no matter what. And listen, that's what they're doing. They had a, a, one of the worst starts historically in the, in the start of City Out, which is why this unbeaten run is still like another yeah, fourth. You know, are they even going to be able to really chance for the Scubetto? I think they still have a chance. I mean, mathematically, there's still tons of points up at play. I've seen crazier things, and it's not like they have the unbeatables at the top. We've seen Inter and Milan drop points against some of the worst teams in Serie A. So I think it is still wide open. I think this is it's absolutely a four. It's exactly. It's a four-team race. Four-team yeah. race. They don't have as good of a chance, but they're still in it. I think we'd be naive to completely discount them from the race. So I think Juve are mathematically in the title race in the same way that I'm mathematically still able to pursue my professional football career. I right? think like, that's I'm not, a little unfair, Drake. I'm not, but that's, I'm, that's, I'm, that's, I've that never seen you. I've never seen you. I have never seen you play. All right. So. Maybe it's not unfair, is it? I've seen the. Uh, I've heard the noises your back makes when you stand up. Now, like, let's not go. Let's not get crazy here. We were no, literally that's talking. Fair. We were literally talking about the fact you're in scotch taped right now, Drake. Yeah, yeah. All right. Drake right. had to get cupped before even coming on the podcast. No, I. But to your point, to to your point, um, you know, even though statistically speaking, it is a possible thing, you still see, though, no chance. 
Well, so it's it's eight games left, and they're seven points back. And they're not just seven points back. They're seven points back of three good teams that are in good form that I think are, are, are probably better off in their sporting project today than Juventus are. And I think Juve are sort of it, – we say they're, they've rediscovered their, their identity, and it's true to an extent, right, because they're now back to the team that's going to make it incredibly difficult for the opposition to score goals. If they score first, they're one of the most difficult teams uh, to overcome when you're trailing one – lock it down in the sort of old school Catenaccio way where every other team in Italy is a bit more um, adventurous, uh, maybe to a, to a fault at times, uh, more attacking. Um, so I feel like if your identity is that you don't concede goals and that you're strong defensively, then you need to almost have an advantage on the table or, or be a lot closer on the table than what Juventus are right now. And I think where Juve are is they're setting the foundation to get back to being a real legitimate Scudetto contender for seasons to come. I don't know that I'm buying the idea that just because they're mathematically in it, they're still a title contender. That said, it still is the best race in European football with just Inter, uh, Milan, and Napoli. And those are those are three teams that I think have a, a realistic shot. And so I guess the reason, it's, it's almost like people are, are jumping into a conversation that Matteo and I have been having for months, and that is that, yes, Juve are still in it, but kind of, right? Because is it a 5% chance? Because a 5% chance is not really being in it, is it, Matteo? Well, that's different because you have a zero percent chance of being of, of fulfilling your dreams as a professional footballer. So that's still five times better. <laughs> but anyway, we, we have to end this. And I see Luis is, is rightfully pointing out we got to talk about Pabitala for a second because the, the, the breaking news that we got midseason after a wonderful January transfer window is that Paolo Dybala, La, La Hoya, who came to Juventus and was world class, was scoring 18 to 22 goals a season. And then the last four seasons, it's like, yeah, you, they haven't really been able to rely on him for a full campaign. So he's leaving on a, basically a free. He's not renewing his contract. There's been word England, teams from Spain, teams from Italy obviously want him. The biggest problem with Dybala is his fitness. He has not been able to stay on the pitch for an entire season in a row. And what was it now? Two seasons ago, the pandemic season, he was the MVP just because of what he did in the second half of the campaign. I feel like I'll look back at Dybala's career with Juventus as a disappointment because of how good he was those first few years where I genuinely felt like, right, this guy could go on and have a similar season to Alessandro Del Piero where he is the bandiera, as they say in Italy, right? The Totti, like Totti was the Roma. Dybala could have been that with Juventus and it's fizzled out and Juventus have learned how to play without him. Do you think that if they if they don't sign Vlahovic in the winter transfer window, they are as willing to part ways with Paulo Dybala, or is it? So I, I get the sense that they they have a guy who they think is the next big superstar in terms of goal scoring uh, in European football, certainly in Serie A, and that's made it easier for them to say, okay, we can build our sporting project around him. The fans will be satisfied with the fact that we have Vlahovic. We'll get less blowback for letting Paulo Dybala leave well, on a Just free. to add to that point, Dre Cordero, one of the things that we talked with Fabrizio Romano on this show, by the way, was how Dybala felt a little bit disrespected before Christmas and after Christmas due to, of course, the Dusan Vlahovic transfer. You know, uh, there was Paulo Dybala thinking, well, yeah, I'm pretty happy. Let's let's maybe talk about this and finalize an extension of a contract. Then obviously January comes and Dusan Vlahovic takes the center stage. And then uh, Juventus were like, uh, yeah, well, don't call us. We'll call you. We'll figure it out. And I think to that point, <laughs> Dybala felt very disrespected. However, having said that, let's finalize on Juventus because we got to move to Inter, which is the point that you just said, and I guess Mateo's as well, which is about Dybala. Do you see the end of his career at Juventus 
a prosperous one or one that I think Juventus can uh, fans can forget about? I think Morata and, and Vlaovic has been the pairing now. Morata's been playing lights out next to Vlaovic, and they can rotate on that other side. Again, they've been playing, they've been kind of have, having this revolving door with Dybala. You know, if Chiesa's in there, then, you know, Chiesa's going to start to try to, I think, maybe with Morata and Vlaovic. They know how to play without him. He'll probably keep playing half their games. He's got scored eight goals already this season, where he had a four and a five goal season in the last four years. So, Again, they're, they're used to getting goals from other sources. I think it'll end in the similar way that it's been going out for the last few seasons where, yeah, he'll have a good game here and there, but time to move on. You know, he's, he's not the yeah. guy anymore, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say probably the injuries for Paulo Dybala have been the, the, the big thing that, that's limited um, his – uh, his status sort of at UV, right? Because it, it was almost more disrespectful than what you made it sound, uh, Luis, because they, they practically told him, at least from what we got publicly, that, yeah, we're, we're going to put the contract talks on hold. We'll talk again in February to see what his demeanor and his injury status is like. And it's like, you've known, Pablo Dybala is not a 19-year-old kid breaking out. You know what he is. So if you just need like an extra 30 days to try and figure it out, it felt like they were kicking the can down the road and like this was inevitable if they got a signing like Vlahovic, which they ultimately did. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move to Inter Milan, by the way. And, you know, speaking of Juventus and, you know, even though mathematically possible, we still don't think that maybe it will happen. However, Inter Milan, of course, are fighting, you know, in third place. They have a game in hand with 60 points, six points behind their bitter rivals, AC Milan, and uh, only three behind Napoli. And how do you see this one, Drake Cordero? Let's begin with you. Inter Milan's, uh, how, how do they enter? What, what do you think they've done, at least in this international break? Because we know, you know, they've had some COVID issues as well, Lautaro Martinez, et cetera. What do you think Inter needs to do in order to get this job done? And what's behind the recent wobbles, by the way? Because it hasn't been perfect. Yeah, so I think the breaks come at a good time for Inter to sort of reset, um, you know, get recovered. I think Lautaro and Jekyll are probably like slated to be the the starting um, striker partnership uh, for this game. I, I think Jekyll has been about as good as as Inter could have hoped to get at him in terms of the volume of goals, in terms of his hold-up play. Uh, he's one of the most intelligent strikers in Serie A, the way that he makes the players around him uh, better. I still believe that Inter are probably the deepest team in Serie A. Um, I think they've got the best uh, center back trio, um, arguably the best midfield trio, especially, you know, with Weston McKinney out um, for Juventus and still about some like 40 to 50 days from returning. And so even though me, I feel like Milan, who are top of the table, are a bit more hot and cold than Juve are. And maybe Matteo disagrees, um, but I, I feel like Inter still the deepest team and the strongest team, even if they are, you know, on the table currently six points back, a game in hand. They beat Bologna, I think, is, is the game they have to make up. Um, then there's you know three three games back, which is what makes this game against Juventus so big for Inter because it's arguably the biggest test that they have left on their schedule and inform Juve that are back to something close to to what their best is. Uh, it should be a, a close to full fitness um, uh, Inter. I think they might be missing one of their back uh, three. De Vrij like, is out. De Vrij is out. There you go. Um, but they they've got in uh, Di Marco and De Ambrosio players who were traditionally fullbacks, at times wingbacks, who can step in and not look out of place in that uh, centre-back trio. And I think that's sort of, the, for me, the, the heart of Inter is that back three. The, the attacks yeah. start there, the defence starts there, um, and I, I think they have a really, really good shot to go to, go to Allianz Stadium and reassert themselves as the Scudetto favourites. Yeah, and uh, just to go back to your earlier question, Luis, I think Inter's biggest problem during this stretch where I think they won one in their last seven in Serie A, is that the two strikers, so Lautaro Martinez, 
He's only scored against Salernitana in 2022. Scored a hat trick there. Other than that, you have to go back to December to the last time he scored, which was also against Salernitana. And in has been a hot and cold striker throughout his career. He goes from nearly 30 goals in a season to eight. So he he does so much more than just the goal scoring. I'm a a big Dzeko fan. I love what he does off the ball, his movement to the midfield and everything. But if you have both your strikers who aren't scoring, there's a reason why they've been so – uh, so poor in the final third. And Sean Ogu was also having a dip, who was brilliant in the yeah. in the first half of the season. So you have all your biggest offensive weapons all dipping together, and that's not going to help. That's why you have these draws, scoreless draws, and, and really they have not been able to get the front two going at the same time in 2022. So the, the, so let's do this then. What are the key matchups in this game? We're talking about two sides as well, who have obviously some good perennial stars. Obviously, Dusan Vlavic on one side, you got the Lautaro Martinez, Ed and Jacob combination, but there's plenty more as well, specifically in the midfield. Mateo, back to you. Give me some key matchups in this game. Okay, some uh, key matchups. Uh, let's let's start with Chiellini, uh, who should be starting alongside Delict. He really loves those physical battles. So Chiellini against Edin Dzeko, you know that he's going to be draped all over him. It's the kind of center back for striker battle that reminds me of, of the good old days in City. I can't wait for that. And up front for Juventus, Vlaovic and Morata's combinations against a back three where you have D'Ambrosio as this emergency center back. Are they going to pick on him? Watch for those runs from Cuadrado going forward. In many games, Cuadrado's been... Juventus's best creator, which is unusual given that he's the right wing back of the team. And on the other end, it's really Brozovic back in the midfield controlling things. We've seen uh, the opposition try to basically put a defensive midfielder higher up the pitch just to negate Brozovic. We saw Milan do this when they put Frank Kessie as an attacking midfielder. That's how much respect teams have for Brozovic. So who's going to do that dirty work? For Juventus right now, it seems like it's just Locatelli and Rabio in the in the center of midfield. Both those players usually start from deeper, so I think Brozovic is going to have a little bit more of a free reign in this game to really control. Yeah, I would say that from from Inter's perspective, um, especially with the form of the strikers like Matteo mentioned, they, they're very dangerous in the wide areas. I look at Ivan Perisic and Denzel Dumfries as two guys that have been massive in terms of creating chances. Uh, for Inzaghi's Inter, right? Don't freeze in particular goals and assists. Uh, Pedisic, who just continues to sort of reinvent himself uh, season after season. And I don't think that Juve are particularly great out wide, right? And so you look at like Pedisic going up against the likes of Cuadrado, who's a little bit, um, you know, uh, very attack-minded at this stage in his career. And Danilo, who's a bit hit or miss. Uh, the Xi, Leo Bernardeschi, they're not sort of defensive powerhouses in the wide areas to deal with the likes of Pedisic um, and Dumfries. I think that's probably the most interesting matchup for me from an inter perspective is what they do with their wingbacks. All right. Well, let's go back to you, Dre. I, I have a big one here and let, let's try and wrap this up uh, with this sure. question. Who needs this more? Oh, without question, it's Inter. Again, I'm not I'm not giving Juve much more than like a 5% chance to, to win the Scudetto, whereas Inter is still very much in it. Hey, you gave it a 5% is, chance. I like that. At least it's 5%. Well, that, that, that was Mateo. It's where I was getting at uh, with, with the, the conversation that people walked in. Like when you walk into a room and there's a heated argument going on and you don't know what's happening, is that Mateo was the one guy on, on our Serie A set saying Juve still have a chance. But if you prod him a little bit, he's like, yeah, well, it's a 5% chance. And I don't think that's much of a chance at all. So, I mean, yeah, sure. It's mathematically a chance. Maybe I'll end up playing for Inter Miami too. Uh, um, but th- that said, uh, I-, I do think it's, it's a bigger game for Inter. I don't know that it's a huge disappointment for Juventus this season if they don't win the Scudetto because the team that was going from less to more, whereas Inter started the campaign as sort of the odds-on favorite to repeat as champions, they're still within striking distance. For that reason, these three points are way bigger for the Nerazzurri. 
I agree. We don't agree on a lot, hey. Trey. You know, we're like an old married couple oftentimes in the booth, but I, I, I'm totally with you, especially with that game in hand. If Inter can make the most of that game in hand, if they wanted the automatic three points, by the way, against Bologna. If they win against Bologna, though, that puts them, and then they win this game, suddenly they're at, what, 66 points? So, you know, this is absolutely massive to keep them right there with uh, Milan. Well, it's going to be a ridiculous game, but the final thoughts are here now with Matteo Bonetti, Andre Cordero. Before we go, by the way, there's plenty of action all over the league, including another massive game, by the way, as Atalanta face Napoli, Matteo Bonetti. Final thoughts on that one. Final thoughts. Uh, Napoli are destroyed once again by key players being out. So uh, Osimhen suspended. Rachmani, who's been one of the best center backs in the league, also suspended. And Fabian Ruiz, who's their best midfielder, has the flu and won't be starting. So this oh is the absolute God. worst time for them. They finally got everyone healthy, and now everyone's out for it's a key awful. match against Atalanta. <laughs> Dre? Yeah, and they're just three points off the pace. I, I think, um, you know, we, we focus a lot on, like, sort of the seven sisters. Right? We focus a lot on the big teams in Serie A. The, the Scudetto race is as brilliant as, as it's been, and as long as we've been covering it, it's no longer, you know, just Juve running away with it and occasionally Napoli or Roma challenging. Uh, but I, I do think that if, if you really want to appreciate Serie A, watch Atalanta, watch Sassuolo, watch Fiorentina. These teams... If you strip everything else away and you just watch their football, are as entertaining, as fun to watch, and as competitive as anyone in European football. And I actually believe that Atalanta, personnel-wise, with like the arrival of Boga, for example, with the emergence of, of Pasalic as a player who, from the midfield, scores and assists. Malinowski, we've seen what he can do from long range. It's such an electrifying brand of football under Gasparini that they are appointment viewing on a week-to-week basis, and they're getting Napoli at a good time. Yeah, and to that point, by the way, Napoli and Atalanta have not drawn in their last six uh, Serie A meetings played at that stadium. Three wins apiece with the last 2-1 by the Nerazzurri. So this is going to be a good game. Hopefully not a draw, hopefully a lot of goals. But don't forget, everybody, Juventus, Inter, the rest of Paramount Plus coverage, Serie A. These two will be there, of course, live from the stadium. So much great coverage. Drake Codera, thank you so much, my friend. Oh, thank you, man. I'm, I'm living the dream, right? So I, w- I was in the Azteca for Mexico-USA. Uh, I got to call the game in which the United States qualified for the World Cup eight years later after that match that we won't uh, mention in, in that island country in the Caribbean. Uh, and now we're, we're off to Italy to do, you know, the thing that we love and we hold dearest, which is Serie So we're living the dream. Amazing. The longest journey I've had is me to the bathroom. So fantastic <laughs> stuff. Matteo Bonetti, always a pleasure, brother. Yeah, thanks so much, Luis. And again, special stadium, special game, one of the best rivalries in Europe. I hope everyone watching this is going to tune in, CBSSN and Paramount+. Plus. Absolutely. At Dre Cordero, at Bonetti, Paramount+, Plus, Serie coverage, Juventus, Inter. It does not get better than that. Make sure to follow these two, of course, Paramount+, Plus, CBS Sports, and so much more. Kego Lasso Pod on Twitter, youtube.com forward slash Kego Lasso. Have a great, great rest of your week. Have a great day and enjoy this fantastic game. We'll see you then. Till then. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.